All right, here we go. Divisional weekend. This is the NFL show powered by BetUS. I'm your host, Jared Smith. We've got a bit of a curveball here for you today. Um, you'll notice a little bit of a different uh, lineup uh, for you. Uh, it is our pal Doug Kazarian, uh, pinch hitting for Steve Fezzik. We hope Steve gets better soon. He's a little bit under the weather this week, but Doug, of course, very well-known, respected uh, voice in our industry. He's got a great venture right now at OnlyPlayers.com. And congrats, Doug. Top 15 finish at Circa Million. So you're feeling pretty good about yourself heading into the uh, playoffs, huh? Yeah, or or I'm a gambler like all of us, and I'm sick and twisted and wondering what could have been uh, and never enjoying the, the, the moderate success. Now, contests are um, a beast in and of itself, kind of like postseason NFL betting versus the regular season. You know, you got to, like, grind, in this particular case, five picks a week. Numbers get locked in, so sometimes you have to run the balance of being too number sensitive but also not taking bad numbers. And then sometimes finding five picks you like, like week 18, I didn't really like at all, but I loved week 17, still went three and two each week. Um, but it's just one of those things where it is a grind and you're not just trying to be a profitable better. You're trying to have yeah. a ridiculous percentage to win these things or at least come in the money. And that's sort of the separate, you're trying to be 66% kind of thing where that's what it takes, especially when there's so many entries, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, definitely a lot of fun. I've been in other contests. I've done okay in some, done better in others. And it was down the stretch. It was super, super stressful, mm. but it was great to be part of it. Oh, that's great stuff, man. Congrats. Las Vegas, Chris, of course, uh, a regular weekly panelist with us. Uh, LVC, I, I have to mention your uh, big Circa Millions caches a couple years ago, second and fifth. That must have, so 21. I was going to say, you're probably still living living pretty good off of those uh, off of those winnings in 2021, huh? Yeah, well, I had a, unfortunately, I had a five-year run of cashing profitably in contests that came to an abrupt end this year. So I'm envious of your success, Doug. Not, not really. I'm uh, congratulating you and Fez for great results. As you yeah. know, it takes a lot of luck. And uh, I had no luck this year. Everything has to go your way. And opposed to you, uh, Doug, when I had, I, I was just like smooth as silk. And then the moment I pressed send on the final entry, that's when all of a sudden my brain went kind of fried out on me. I'm like, oh my God, I have no more control. It's over. There's nothing I can do. It's out of my control. So that I kind of had like the inverse where I wasn't stressed out at all, all year long. But uh, when it was over, then I kind of went wacky. <laughs> you were in yeah, a zone. You were in a zone. Yeah, the contest can be tough, and we want to give a shout-out to Fez, to 21st in Circa Millions um, as well. So for the for the show itself, um, a, a pretty good uh, showing for Fez, and we hope he gets better soon. All right, let's uh, get some housekeeping. Of course, like, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, we come out with content every week here on the NFL show, but, of course, college basketball hot and heavy right now. The NBA show, I just caught uh, Sean Green and his crew doing some stuff a little earlier in the day. Lots of great content across the BetUS platform um, of – networks here so of course subscribe to the youtube channel to get all of um the updates also we're still giving away a free truck in a couple weeks actually we'll give that sucker away right before the super bowl you can win a free entry into the tough truck giveaway if you guess um which one of us is holding the golden ticket and maybe it'll be some beginner's luck for you doug this week so basically how it works is at the end of the show they'll come up a little graphic on the screen one of us like a little three card money game We'll have the golden ticket. People in the chat will guess. One of the people who guesses correctly 
um, gets a free entry into the giveaway. Uh, it's it's kind of a little mini competition amongst us. Which one of us has a golden ticket? We don't get to decide. It's all in the back production room. But uh, fun little game for us. Of course, Doug eligible this week. Feel free to put your entries into the chat. Which one of us has the golden ticket? All right, let's do a quick recap of uh, our betting records last week. Um, Fez and I very very profitable. Four and one um, for myself and for Steve. We had a lot of um, uh, you know voided bets last week because of the bills game of course some sports books voided some didn't check your house rules bet us was one of the sports books that did um void bets for that game being moved so some incomplete grades for some of our bets for example my teaser which would have lost um ended up getting voided and, and same thing for a couple of fez's props which 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 would have lost as well also got voided so take those records with a grain of uh of i guess uh i don't know uncertainty and look at the records as we continue to uh, be above 500 for the season, which is really nice. Four games to get to this week, guys. Let's uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's start right out of the gate. Um, Texans and Ravens. So line open here, Baltimore minus 9.5, total uh, at 45.5. I-, I would say maybe a little bit of early money on the dog, but nothing significant. Um, and we've seen some under money come in. Total now sitting at 43.5 over at BetUS. Houston's coming off that really impressive blowout win. I don't think any of us expected C.J. Stroud um, to perform like he did in his playoff debut, became the youngest quarterback ever to win a playoff game. Um, didn't have to do a whole lot, of course, later in the game. Got some pick sixes, got some help from his defense. Um, but he was really impressive in the times that he was asked to throw. Baltimore, of course, hasn't played a meaningful game uh, in three weeks since that Week 17 game um, against the Dolphins when they clinched the one seed and Lamar Jackson uh, basically won the MVP. So I-, I guess that's a good place to start here. And Doug, I'll, I'll give you a first crack. Like, like, how do we handicap Baltimore coming off the bye? Um, since 2002, teams are below 500 ATS coming off the bye. So uh, it's tough, I would imagine, to lay a big number. But this is a different animal with Baltimore, and you got C.J. Stroud going on the road. Yeah, and, and I think that's a great point at the very end, Jared. It, it, everything is case by case, and it is a different animal. Let's just go and – and, and if I were to oversimplify things, I would say there are two sort of – things lingering in people's minds with Baltimore. One is the last time they were the one seed was Lamar Jackson was MVP. They came off the bye and then they lost to Tennessee, but that was different. First off, that was a weird game. There was two fourth down stops. Lamar did have two interceptions and a fumble and the defense couldn't stop Derrick Henry, but keep in mind, it was only a second year in the NFL. He literally was days into his 23rd, just past his 23rd birthday. Okay. Fast forward to now, because that was 2019. So five years, sorry, 2019 season. So four years later, I think it's a very different Baltimore team. A, he's more polished, more experienced, better receivers. Now, I know Mark Andrews was hurt, but I just think the the receiving core around him is there to further the offense. I think the offense is more explosive, and he's not just sort of like a one-trick pony. And the other thing is just – how about the one seeds with rest? If you go back a few seasons, there's only there's really been like a legitimate reason that the the one seed did not cover this round in both conferences, right? So go back to 2018. Um, New Orleans winning but not covering was the only time. Like Drew Brees had like a noodle arm, but that was like the one time like there wasn't like a legitimate excuse. The other years was Mahomes hurt with like limping yeah. around other stuff or Chad Henney came in. Cause there was like a concussion issue. Another year was Tennessee was a farce of a one seed. They, you know, they weren't really dominant. Another year, the Eagles were, didn't have Carson Wentz who helped them get the one seed. I mean, they were home underdogs yep. 
uh, one year. So there's been some different, you know, extenuating circumstances. But like last year, the Eagles crushed the Giants after the Giants looked impressive in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, that Green Bay team, they opened up 7 nothing. Then you had a blocked punt, blocked field goal, weird weather game, Rodgers mistakes, and Shanahan and that defense. So I, unless something sort of out of the ordinary happens, I don't think there's any reason to expect Baltimore doesn't roll. This kind of feels like a few years ago when the Chiefs beat the Texans 51-31, I want to say. Now, the yeah. Texans jumped out like 20-0 or something like that. But I think it's one of those where I think the Ravens roll. They have a better defense, and, and I think they're going to bring have that edge that you need when to avoid the rust. I think they play with that edge. I know a really sharp group, a syndicate that bet Baltimore this morning, and I think it seems feels like the right side. C.J. Stroud and the guys – not quite ready for this one. They're actually going on the road this time, unlike last week. Hmm. Chris, what do you got here, bud? Well, boy, I've been on Houston, I I think, almost every week this season. I love Houston. I love Stroud. His performance didn't surprise me at all last week. Uh, uh, you know, these kids coming out of college that have the national championship experience and all this media exposure – uh, before they even get into the league, this guy has been unbelievably impressive, and and I expected a nothing burger out of him, especially being a Michigan fan. I couldn't root for him, so, uh, but just awesome. This team has so much character. The coaching, uh, it, it you know, Lovey Smith did them the greatest favor in the in the, in ever to win that last yeah. game last year. So, <laughs> you know, everything's going their way, and Baltimore, as you know. I had them to win the division uh, from the start. Uh, I rooted them in. I was on them every, you know, it was, I think every, almost every game this season also in one way or another. So two teams that I like, uh, I've been able to handicap very well. And the numbers come out at nine point, like one four. And the line right now is like 9.25. It's like between yeah. nine and nine and a half. So, uh, with that in mind, I think this is a really, really tough spot for Houston. Going on on the road, as, as Doug mentioned, this isn't the same type of team as we saw from Baltimore a few years back. Jackson has his experience, and they're healthy this year. They know what they don't want to repeat from that mistake when, you know, previously. Uh, Andrews is back. Flowers is back, uh, more than likely on both those cases. Uh, yeah. they're, they're firing on all cylinders, and this just seems like it's going to be very tough for Houston to be able to keep up with. Uh, you know, meanwhile, Baltimore has their leaks a little bit. They're not as good as they were on the rush in years past. They So if Singletary can get, the, you know, the ball running and stuff, that is going to kind of change the dynamic of the game a little bit. But traditionally, Houston's been, you know, one-trick pony having to throw that ball and rely on Stroud. So it, it, there's just a lot of moving parts going on here, whereas Jackson can do it all. I mean, they can yeah. run, they can pass, they, they can quarterback run. Uh, there are some concerns with the weather. Uh, I took the under when the under was when the total was higher, thinking that the wind was going to come into play, the inexperience was going to come into play. I'm not so sure Houston's going to be able to pile on those points in an outdoor atmosphere like this against a quality veteran team like Baltimore. And what really scares me off on this is 
how scary the performance is on favorites in this round of the playoffs. For the last 20 years, favorites have been getting destroyed. They're very tough to back. Uh, 42% against the spread over the last 20 years. Mm. Number one wow. seeds, 35% against the spread last 20 years. Favorites of less than 10, 10 and 25. I mean, they get brutalized in this round. So I have to respect that. I can't back Houston. I do think Baltimore comes away with this win. So I have to play them and get them into play. I can't give out the under because the, it's gone down to 43 and a half. Yeah. And that's just too low to recommend. I'm in uh, over 40, you know, under 45 and a half. Uh, I, I still like that, but not under 43 and a half. I'm going to use Baltimore in a money line parlay. I don't have a choice. I'm not going to lay the nine here. I, I do feel confident that they're going to win. And I, if I had to pick, I would say I do think they'll cover the nine. I have a funny feeling that this is going to end up being like a uh, 24 to like 13 game. It's going to be close, but uh, uh, I'm going to use Baltimore only in a money line parlay, and I'm going to pair them up with San Francisco and Detroit. Money line. Yeah, I think um, there's a couple interesting and beauty of this week. Again, we've been watching the show all season. We do every game, so on a you know heavy week, we're doing 16 games. We usually go pretty hot and heavy through each one. Um, we get a chance to kind of you know take another trip around the sun here and uh, expand on these games. So the follow ups. While you guys were talking, I'm kind of formulating some follow-up questions. Obviously, the, the rematch vet factor is something that maybe can help us, or maybe it can't, right? Like, how far back in the season? These teams played back in week one. It was a 25-9 win um, for the Ravens. It's actually ironic that the line was exactly the same, 9.5, and, um, and the total was right around 43.5. Neither offense did a whole lot. Um, first week probably you know, you know, makes a little sense why we didn't really see the best stuff of either offense. Uh, Lamar was the leading rusher in the game. Tank Dell and Noah Brown, the receivers for the Texans, they played in that game. Of course, they won't play this week. Doug, can we glean anything from a game that took place 19 weeks ago, or are we just wasting our time even analyzing anything that took place in the week one game? Rob, probably not, just because it was a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback making their yeah. debut. I will say Baltimore, I think we have to evaluate. Well, first of all, taking a step away, Playoff betting is so different than the regular season. Not that they're the NBA load management, but the teams do approach things like a marathon, not a sprint, especially yeah. with only one buy in each conference now. And so there's going to be some peaks and valleys to the season. Baltimore always brings it in week one because they're also fresh off being the tyrants of the preseason. <laughs> and they're always, they're always on a roll and there's no slow starting. And then they sort of hit a lull like week three, week four, week five, which we saw this year against the 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 Colts at home because it was a sandwich spot coming off a big win and then they had a division game the next week and then obviously they lost to Gardner Minshew but I I I think it is something to be I think to play devil's advocate and you should do this with any bet you have in any sport like no matter how much you like a play there's someone who likes the other side just as much yeah and so you try to see it from their eyes right and Baltimore is typically historically not good as a favorite right? It's simple. They're great underdog betters. And we all know this is like the Ravens on that, excuse me, the Niners on that Monday night game. So the question is, do, and I think this team's a little different. 
So it's I feel better knowing that they have Justin Tucker to cover you know a two score uh, spread. Yeah. But seeing how they handled Miami the week after that big win, and as a favorite, taught me something. And to come full circle, going about the playoff betting versus the regular season, you've only seen each team's best version like a few times from the course of the regular season. Like I think the Niners' best performance was at Philly, right? The Ravens, yeah. I think, was at San Francisco. Yep. And some other games along the way by each team, you, you kind of – and so that's what you should try to expect. What was Houston's best performance? And I don't think their defense has really ever been that good and that, um, you know, that dominant. So that concerns me from a Texans perspective. But the Ravens have an edge. And I think last weekend, the teams that played with a distinct edge won the game. Tampa had an edge that Philly did not. Yep. Kansas City definitely had an edge that Miami did not. I thought the Texans, once they got rolling and the, the you know, interceptions of Flacco. So who, I, I, tr- I know I'm getting the edge and the energy and the, the sort of the swagger from the Ravens. And I wonder how much is left in the tank with Houston knowing, like they thought they were the better team last week, even though we had them as underdogs, the betting market. I think this yeah. is a different situation. They know they're up against. And maybe I might play a little bit on the over just to protect myself if Stroud is that incredible then it's going to require more points because I think the Ravens with the reasons I mentioned earlier, I think we're going to get enough points, but that would be my concern is just Baltimore historically not great in the favorite role. Yeah, it makes sense. So I, when I was looking at the first game, I noticed that neither team really had a good offensive game, but we still got to 34 points. And again, the Houston really struggled in the red zone. I think how Houston handles the red zone is going to kind of be if they can cover or not, if they get into the red zone and it's all field goals, Baltimore is going to cover this game. They, they really struggled in the red zone in that first game, and the Ravens have a top five red zone defense when it comes to limiting touchdowns. So I think that's important. Uh, Chris, Lamar Jackson, right? Evolution. One and three straight up in his playoff career. His overall success rate as a passer, 47% in the regular season. Small sample, but it drops to 38% in the postseason. He has to be better if Baltimore wants to cover this number. I saw a great comment in the chat from Brian Levine, Todd Munkin's first playoff game. I don't know if that matters a lot he did he was the OC in the national championship game like 11 months ago 12 months ago so I I think he knows how to handle these big moments but you know the Ravens offense kind of being an evolution from prior seasons is that enough in your eyes to push Baltimore not only across the finish line this week maybe cover the spread but all the way to the end of the rainbow here in Vegas well you know somebody released some data this morning on uh, the coaching decisions I'm sure you guys might have seen it where Harbaugh used to be one of the you know most aggressive uh, coaches, and he's like 31st mm. in aggressiveness now. And uh, uh, Doug probably hasn't seen me mention it over and over and over and over again, but I, Harbaugh's in-game management is an issue. A- at one point, I said, you've got to ding this team one point every game because he's making egregious errors on a regular basis with, with some strategy or something or another throughout the way. So uh, we don't know what's going to go on with that, but I think that they have pulled it together. They seem to be different this year, and they seem to be more uh, just better situated to to, uh, handle this. And it reminds me, I'm watching a show yesterday, and an athlete was talking about how they were in a similar situation as a Houston or, uh, you know, other teams that win. And then they go and face the team that they know they can't beat. And I remember talking to a Red Wings player in the same position before they were going to, you know, they won a big series and they went on and and I asked, well, what was your mentality? And both these guys said basically the same thing. It's like, well, 
we, we knew where how far we could go, and you know, once you get up to a certain level, you kind of know it that you're kind of only you can only do so much. So yeah. I feel that that's kind of where Houston is in this situation. Where I agree with what Doug said, they had all the confidence in the world they could win last week. I don't think that they have confidence yeah. that they can win this week, and uh, that's. But I, I do think that they can cause enough trouble. There's a combination of Stroud being able to keep them in the game and what we mentioned with Baltimore kind of shooting themselves in the foot, whether it be a coaching decision, a turnover, just getting in the flow. And they just love to keep teams closer. And they, all the blown leads you know, that they've had throughout the course of the last two seasons, you'll have to respect that too. I don't want to lay nine. That's why I had to use him in a money lane parlay. I like him to win that game. Yeah, no, I think actually, we're all kind of in agreement, that. Doug, that it's the Ravens, like I, but how do we play them, right? First quarter, first half, teaser, money line parlay, right? There's so many options with a big favorite here. Yeah, I like them straight minus the spread because I think this team's a little different. I was mentioning earlier the, the receivers. I think they're willing, yeah. and goes back to Harbaugh maybe, Chris, they're more willing to step on the gas a little bit to preserve a lead rather than play sort of not to lose, the old cliche. I mean, that Rams game, I mean, they answered them point for point. Like, yeah. it wasn't Baltimore getting conservative, so, the you know, the Ravens going to overtime. That Arizona backdoor cover, that was sort of a weird ending. Yeah. But for the most part, I feel like this Ravens team's a little different. I think they trust Lamar more to throw, and I think they're more aggressive when trying to put away an opponent. So maybe I'm just talking myself into it, laying the lumber, but I do think it's a – I think – the evolution of Lamar Jackson has led to that and the growth and the enhancement of his receiving core around him, yeah. having the speed down the field, having a flowers, having some other guys where it's not just warm bodies and then a huge backfield. They've actually lost guys, right? Andrews is hurt, but he's coming back, yeah. but you know, they lost the speedster in the backfield. They, they, they've been sort of hurt more in the backfield, but I think this is a team that is willing to step on their throat to preserve a lead, which I think lends itself over to the over and nine and a half a little bit on the favorite here. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's actually to go back to that original comment we talked about with Todd Munkin. I, I think he's sort of the glue in that sense where he is a little bit more of an aggressive, innovative offensive coordinator than the Ravens have had in prior years. And you saw it right like about midway through the year, the light bulb just turned on and everyone just started to uh, you know, operate as one. And that, that offense has been really dangerous. This game kind of reminds me, and there's been some fun comments in the chat from uh, our pal AB, who um, is getting on me for fading the Texans last week. I, I, <laughs> it's not a personal thing against Houston. It's just, I, I just don't think this is a good spot for them. I didn't think it was a good spot for them last week, but Joe Flacco threw two pick sixes in like five minutes. And, and that was the end of the game. Um, and this, doesn't this game remind you of the Jets game from a few weeks ago? Right. And the, you can't compare the Jets offense to the Ravens offense. Obviously, the Ravens offense light years ahead. But Zach Wilson threw for 300 in that game. It was rainy, cold, outdoor game where a good defense kind of beat up Stroud a little bit. That was the game he got hurt in. Jets won that game 30 to six. I would say that's probably the best data point we saw from the Jets all year. Does this kind of remind you of that situation a little bit, Chris, or am I kind of grasping here? It, but yeah, it just, you know, the, 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 being a Lions fan, when they have to travel outdoors and, and yeah. get into weather and out of their, their comfort zone, there were years uh, where you just knew they were sitting ducks. And uh, I don't worry about it as much with them anymore. But I think a lot of teams, when they have to change those conditions, like, you know, from a nice, cozy dome and going outdoors, 
uh, and it's colder and all that sort of stuff. It, it just adds a, a more components to not being relaxed yeah. and uh, uh, not being in habit uh, form, so to speak. So, Doug, Ravens and over for you, my friend, right? Nine and a half, 43 and a half. That's the final selection for this game. Yeah, and I think more on the Ravens for sure. And I think just a little protection. Yeah. And, I, and I normally I'd be like, well, then why not just play the team total for Baltimore? Because I think there's more scenarios where they win and, and cover in a game that goes under. To your point about yeah. C.J. Stroud, like as incredible as he's been, and he has been, there's still going to be some growing pains as a rookie, right? And whether it's the outdoors, the playoff road, and all this stuff, like you can only be so far along the process. There's no substitute yeah. for experience. And he's certainly accelerated and it's exponential, this learning curve. But there are some, you got to take your lumps along the way. All the great quarterbacks have. Um, it's not totally incremental, but it kind of is incremental. You have to each sort of uh, layer in each spot and in, in each round of the playoffs. So this might be a, a tough situation for him. Maybe he'll shine and maybe he'll put up a big offensive performance. But we've seen all the great quarterbacks who finally get over the hump. They've taken their lumps throughout the postseason early. Yeah, I just don't see it being this easy for him. I mean, it it looks so easy for him last week. And I know the Browns' defense on the road is a different animal, but they still got Miles Garrett out there who got like a million pressures in that game. And CJ was just completely unfazed by it, moving around in the pocket. I mean, it, it was it was a clinic last week. I would be shocked if he plays at that level on the road in cold weather against the Ravens' defense that obviously has had plenty of rest and are waiting for this game. So uh, Doug's going Ravens and over. I'm taking the Ravens too. I'm also going to put the Ravens in a 10-point teaser. I know I'm teasing through zero. You can have my sharp card back. We have limited options this week. I like doing a 10-point teaser, and I like this game better than I like the Niners game. So we're putting the Ravens in a 10-point teaser. We'll get to the other legs later. Chris is also doing a Ravens-Niners-Lions money line parlay. Of course, lots of legs still to get to on the other side. But let's move on to the Saturday night game, the Green Bay Packers. Oh, boy. Ooh, hottest team in football. Um, they opened as a big dog in this game, though. Uh, San Francisco, I'll call it 10 on the open. We've seen a little bit of money come on the dog, but it, you, you, it might have opened nine and a half in some spots, too. Again, we haven't seen a ton of movement in this game yet. Um, Green Bay, of course, coming off that wildly impressive win. Dropped almost a 50-burger on the road in the Cowboys in Jordan Love's debut. They were a big dog in that game. Game went way over. Packers almost covered the total themselves. Um, it was the highest passing DVOA in Packers team history, according to our FTN pal Aaron Schatz. So um, arguably the best offensive game in, in, a, in a franchise that's had <laughs> Favre and Rodgers. I mean, just incredible stuff um, from Jordan Love in that game. The Niners, of course, same situation as the Ravens. It's been three weeks since they played a meaningful game. Week 17, they beat Washington. They clinched the one seed. Um, 11 of the 12 wins for the Niners this year, guys, has been by double digits. They're going to have to do that again this week if they want to cover the spread. Um, no official plays for us. This is the only game of the card where there are no official plays. Um, Chris, I'll give you first uh, crack here at what to expect between the Niners and the Packers. Well, I used San Francisco in a money line parlay, but, uh, I, you know, referring to what Doug mentioned in the first uh, game, you need to be able to look at the other perspective. You really shouldn't be betting on games if you can't argue both sides because sure. it shows that you don't understand really what the game is about, so to speak. And this game is a perfect example. I could I can argue both sides of this game till I'm blue in the face emphatically. I mean, there are reasons to absolutely love both of these teams, and there's reasons to absolutely 
dislike each of these teams in their spots. So that's kind of what I, I'm kind of referencing is if you don't know all those different angles, well, then you're missing some something and you need to kind of dig in a little deeper before betting on the game. So San Francisco in this situation just looks like they're absolutely the team to beat. And we're going back to previous history. Number one teams. The Both of them have only covered two times over the last 20 years, while they have gone 0-2 eight times in that period. Think about that. Against the spread. It, 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 it is so stacked against number one teams. They're always giving extra points. They're always thought of as, oh, they had the extra rest, and uh, this team's been playing, and they're tired, they're coming in. The other thing that you would think is a team like Green Bay coming into a situation off a big, huge win that they weren't supposed to do. Uh, oh, well, they're due, for, uh, they're due to come in flat. Uh, no. Uh, in fact, uh, I lost my data. I have a really good stat. Actually, it's very, very profitable. I lost the numbers. I misplaced them. But it's actually very profitable in their situation because they do get undervalued and mm. the other team is laying more points. So they're covering at a uh, higher rate. You're looking at San Francisco off the bye. Uh, they lost the last game of the season. Teams in this situation in this round, 3-15 and 15 against the spread. Uh, these are extreme numbers that you're talking about. Green Bay, first time on the road. They weren't in the playoffs last year, and they're on the road for this round. Set almost 70% against the spread over 40 games. I mean, these are serious, serious trends that you kind of have to pay attention to. Uh, I think that there's five, six Hall of Famers on the San Francisco team. They're a team to really contend with. And I think what the issue with this game is going to be is who gets out to the lead. I mentioned it last week that I kind of thought that Green Bay, Dallas was sort of like Thanksgiving in Detroit. So uh, Green Bay took that coin toss. They got out to the lead. They put the pressure on and they ran away from it with Detroit. Ditto Dallas. Now, I think it's a little different this time, whereas if San Francisco gets up, Green Bay doesn't have the type of team to be coming from behind, so to speak. San Francisco can, uh, you know, put the, uh, the foot on the neck, so to speak, and make it more difficult for Green Bay to come back. So uh, I think that that will kind of affect, you know, where the total goes in this game, because I kind of lean toward the under in this game. But if Me Green Bay is able to get out in front... Well, now we're looking at it over because I think we can. I think everybody's probably going to agree San Francisco could score uh, one way or another, but how much Green Bay scores depends on whether they're coming from behind or they're uh, already ahead. So uh, I like San Francisco to win this game, uh, but I'm not going to trust uh, the overwhelming data that they're not supposed to cover in this situation. Uh, uh, they're just overinflated. Uh, by the same token, it looks too darn easy to take Green Bay and all those points. So it's it's you know it's it's like a, a really strange look for me. But I haven't parlayed with Baltimore money line and Detroit money line, and that pays plus one hundred four. By the way, Doug, is there a side that maybe we can, or maybe on the total side? I I, I kind of like Chris's take on the under. I do think 
right? Like, which quarterback do we trust more in this game? Is it Love or Purdy? <laughs> well, it's a great question because I, I think being Brock Purdy's being that he's so inexperienced. Yeah. And we don't have years of data or even 20 games of data. Anything. He he crumbled in the spotlight with that hyped yeah. high profile Monday night game. I mean, just think about what goes in goes into a Monday night game. He's meeting with the media ahead of time. He's doing sit-downs, whether it be with Aikman or sideline reporters. There's the 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 mosh pits of of reporters around him uh, the day of the game. I mean, it's just, there's just more attention. And he showed that in that interception in the end zone. And then after that, you know, one of those was like a sort of a sack interception, but yeah, he definitely unraveled. It was, it was horrible. So given the pressure of this playoff game, we can't assume the version of Brock Purdy that we see during the regular season with, you know, Kittle running wide open 30 yards downfield hit or Debo Samuel taking a underneath throw at midfield against Philly and then him housing it the next 50 yards, all the yak. So as much as Purdy's been very impressive and all that good stuff, you got to pump the brakes. We have to, we have to respect the egg he laid uh, against the Ravens. Now I'm not saying I'm running to the window to bet gold uh, green Bay because of that, but it's something to keep in mind. Now, this Packers team is very different than the one we saw first half of the season. It just is. And I don't, not that I have to throw out all the stats, but the Jordan love and offense we are seeing, I mean, Aaron Jones looked like he turned back the clock in the last yeah. game. Where did this guy come from? Right. That's not the version we saw, but then again, they got ahead of Dallas, took the opening kickoff scored as Chris was saying, and then never looked back and got the pick six to sort of ice it. But this is their fourth road game in five weeks. And mm -hmm. After they won a couple games and started to get into the playoff mix, they did lay that egg against the Giants because they had won three yeah. straight games. So you just wonder what's left in the gas tank. You mean what it takes to win a football game in the NFL, especially when the pressure's mounting or the stakes are higher? Like, hey, we're in the playoff because they closed the regular season six and two to get into the playoffs. So they beat the Chargers, then won Thanksgiving at the Lions, then won against the Chiefs on, I believe, Sunday night, and then they go lay that egg on Monday night. So it, now, that was more of mental miscues, and they were kind of feeling themselves. They went as home underdogs to road favorites of six, six and a half on that Monday night game. But you, this isn't college football. Teams don't win every week. Like, the best teams don't go undefeated. So what, what's the reason they win? It's like, well, the gas tank's full. They're, you know, they're, they're hyped. They're focused. Now, they'll be ready to play. You just wonder what's left in the tank after winning all these games and the travel. I mean, that Bears game in Week 18 was not exactly – the version we saw no. against Dallas. It was a pretty weak uh, performance on offense. And, I mean, give the Bears credit. They've been trying to get over the hump and finally beat Green Bay for the first time in eons. But we can't – it's recency bias. We can't assume we're going to see the Packers version, what we saw last week. And I don't think I don't think LaFleur is going to try to run up the middle and gash them like he was able to against the Cowboys. You can't do that against the can't San Francisco that. front. I think you got to throw downfield. And I think – and I wonder if Love and all those back foot throwing, jumping up, jump throws and all that – those unconventional technique is going to burn him when he faces this real secondary, kind of like Rogers struggled against the Niners yeah. secondary at times. So I do lean to the under for sure. And I lean to nine and a half or laying it, but I also don't think I can do that with Brock Purdy and this offense, no. given that there's been some games. I mean, week two, it's not fair to hold that against them, but week two, they, 
they were in a tight one in LA against the Rams and Purdy missed some throws in the second half and they were lucky to get the cover, frankly, uh, excuse me, lucky to get the win in that game. And I just, I'm, I'm concerned. I think your first question was really valid, Jared, which quarterback do you trust more? I don't know. I think it depends on the, on the, on the day. I I agree. I I think that's why this game of, of the four, I think is the one that I'm the most uncertain about. Like, I think the Niners should win, right? You want to talk historically speaking? I mean, this is a revenge game from a couple years ago when Jimmy Garoppolo went into Lambeau um, on, it was like a weird snowy day. I remember there was a block punt for a touchdown. The Packers were the one seed with Aaron Rodgers. Um, and they lost that game. It was a low-scoring game. Obviously, the weather played a factor. Different quarterback. You can't take anything from that game and apply it to this. But it just it, weird things have happened when these teams play in the postseason. And I don't think this is going to be as simple as, oh, yeah, the Niners are rested. They're going to go out there and slice and dice this Packers defense, which has looked terrible all year up until recently. I guess the follow-up here is, is this line different? Like, let's say the Packers last week won 20 to 19 because the Cowboys missed the field goal late. And it was close, tight game. Jordan Love looked okay, but not great. What's the line in this game this week if that was the result for Green Bay? Like, are we overbaking the line at all towards the Packers because of just how good they looked last week? Chris, does that make sense at all? I think it's only a slight tick. Uh, I, uh, I'm not so sure Purdy looked that bad against Baltimore. He did have really one bad interception, but then two of them were just, you know, goofy bounce uh, bounce off of other people type situations. And that seemed to be like a team type of issue where Baltimore was amped up and ready to play. And San Francisco wasn't quite up to it. And uh, I, you know what? You know, Purdy didn't look great, but I don't think he looked horrible. I think a lot of things just went against him. Uh, I I think he can be fine. Uh, But, you know, Green Bay is the youngest team in the NFL. So if any team can, you know, keep this momentum and the energy going, it's them. Yeah, that's true. As you guys referenced, every couple of weeks or so, boy, do they look bad. I mean, they look yeah. really bad. I mean, what, what, what Carolina? What, what, how did that game go? Didn't they like give up a ton of points against Carolina? Thirty points, right. and, and that's the game that people keep referencing about the defense. Like, how do we take this Packers team seriously? They gave up thirty points to Bryce Young and the Panthers. They were and up they, big. They were up big and just got that's soft. True. But okay. the, you know, San Francisco. Uh, I think San Francisco's going to want to run the ball. I think we're going to get a heavy dose of McCaffrey. I haven't had time to look to see how inflated the McCaffrey props are, but that's someplace that I would like to look uh, because San Francisco, if there is one place that they've kind of gotten a little weak, they gave up 66% on pass defense. And they don't need love chucking the ball around to healthy receivers uh, needlessly. So they need to slow this game down. They need to keep uh, love off balance. They need to keep them from behind. Uh, They need to chew up that clock. So uh, that's what I look for in the game. I think San Francisco has to control the game, and I think that they can. But they they can't let Green Bay get ahead of them. I think under makes sense, Doug, right? If we want to talk about game script and, like, like asymmetric risk in terms of like how the game script could play out. Like I could see an under game where the Packers cover and just Brock Purdy stinks. Packers went out, right? I could see an under game where Niners get off to a fast start. 
slam the brakes. Jordan Love has no success. Like, I can see multiple scripts that favor the under where the Niners, they need to get off to a fast start because I don't see them covering a number where Brock Purdy's asked to throw a bunch of times in the second half. Yeah, and and not that Shanahan has controlled the defense, but this defense has shut down Green Bay in the playoffs for a couple yeah. of years, right? There was, you know, aside from the years they were injured, they had, you said you mentioned that snowy game at Lambeau, but then there was also the game where Rodgers and company couldn't get first downs. I mean, they were really sort of manhandled. Um, now, that's several, you know, years ago, but I, I don't think the game script that, the Packers want to do plays well to the Niners defense. Like I mentioned, they were gashing the Cowboys. You're not going to be able to do that against San Francisco. And if love gets careless with his fundamentals and sloppy throwing downfield, I don't think there's going to be these guys trickling out of the backfield, running wide open or the defenders, not on the screen. Like last week, a couple of times they had guys just wide open. That's not going to be happening with the San Francisco defense. I'm not sure green Bay can sort of, match San Francisco for four full quarters. I'm going to hope for a cheap line in game, but you know, Chris, I, I, I know what you're saying about Purdy. It's not like he was completely, but I do worry that the stage gets too big because Purdy made mental mistakes a lot in that game. That was more my issue. I think he's the perfect fit for a Shanahan offense. He's willing to let it rip downfield. His processing speed is excellent. And it's just, you know, sometimes like I said earlier with Stroud, like you, you go through experiences and they, they shape you. And I wonder if he has to go through some lumps. I, I wonder, I'm not saying I'm willing to bet against it, but you know, we have, I have to see a little bit before I believe it. Yeah. He kind of yeah. fits in the, in the Herbert category for me, where everybody thought this guy was just uh, God's gift. And I've got nothing against Purdy. I think he's done a great job. But uh, when we were arguing MVP things, it was, it's, the, it's like the Miami Dolphin fans. It's like the Purdy Kool-Aid, the Dolphin Kool-Aid. Wait a minute. Let, we gotta, you, let's not give this guy too much credit yet. Yeah, he's doing a lot of great things. But you know what? Let's see a little time goes by, go by before you can actually really you, you know, know what you have here like you do with a Pat Mahomes type of guy. So... We're going to find out a lot more on Saturday night what's going on. I mean, this, this is if, – if he does not have success against – and all the problems for Dak last week, they still scored 30 points. Dak still, you know, had a decent game. I know a lot of it was late garbage time, but they can move the ball on on, on the Packers' defense. If, if the Niners don't move the ball with their weapons on this defense and Brock Purdy struggling – I think that's all the answers you need. All right, no official plays from this game besides the money line parlay um, with uh, Chris's Niners got there. Um, but besides that, uh, Doug and I, I, I agree, Doug. I think in-game, I think under maybe. If we get a 51 under, maybe if the total goes up a little bit, we get some over money by Saturday. Um, and in-game Niners certainly um, is the way to look. But uh, no no official straight plays for us in this game as we're kind of uh, – Kind of waiting to see how things uh, pan out here with the uh, Saturday night uh, Packers-Niners game. All right, let's uh, move on. Uh, let's go to Sunday. This is the early window on Sunday, 3 o'clock Eastern. Set your clocks, guys. This isn't a 1 o'clock game like normal. 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific kick, Bucks and Lions. Um, this line, I saw a 5.5 very briefly. Got bought up quickly to 6. Now we're seeing 6.5 traded in the market. Um, saw a little bit of money on the over as well. Total around um, 48 and a half right now. So I, I guess the, the first part of trying to figure out where we stand with this game is, is trying to ask ourselves a simple question. Did the Bucks get a buy last week too? Because based on the Eagles tackling and the Eagles effort, I, I don't know if there's a lot of teams in the NFL 
that would have lost that game to Philly last week. Maybe a few at the bottom of the standings, but man, the Eagles just looked like they had nothing left in the tank. Meanwhile, the Lions kind of had a battle on their hands, right? Back and forth game. We saw a lot of scoring early, not a whole lot of scoring in the second half. Lions pull off the win, a one-point win. No no games land one in the NFL, right? Uh, yeah, no, yeah, wrong. Uh, it, the Rams did cover that spread game, barely stayed under, of course, uh, after the late uh, or early flurry of points. I'm, I'm shocked that game did stay under. Um, so let's try to assess where we're at with Tampa. And I guess, Doug, that's the good place to start because you do like the Bucs in this spot. Um, watching them last week, was it more good Tampa or bad Philly in your assessment in that game? I think it was definitely bad Philly. Anytime a team closes the year 0-7 against the spread, it's really their <laughs> demise and, and lacking leadership, lacking everything. But definitely that locker room was fractured. They lost both coordinators from the team that nearly won the Super Bowl a year ago. And that might have been those two guys might have been the mastermind behind that success, given what happened after they left. Much like Chris was saying about Houston, Tampa was my team going into the season. I was backing them every week. There was my favorite win total over. I mean, go back a year ago, guys, and I think this helps us assess them now. They had the second highest win total two seasons ago. So Brady's last year. Now I know you lose Brady, but it's Brady's last season in the NFL. Yeah right? And Mayfield had played okay with the Rams. So you're telling, it was like a five win drop off. It was a big, like over six and a half was plus 120 for the Bucks. And remember they, they had a mash unit on the offensive line last year. That's why they couldn't score. And they were so awful offensively. It was a revolving door on the O line, but they got healthy. They got all those receivers back Godwin and Evans and you know, the defense Bulls knows how to coach defense. He may not be the best head coach, but um, there's some players in the defense, especially the secondary. So knowing that the Bucks had a roster plus the last year of Brady that was like 11, 11 and a half wins for a win total, it didn't surprise me that they won the worst division in football and had some, some, some definitely some lows, but had some highs and, and, and ended up getting there. So I think this Bucks team can actually be pretty – I think they, that's a classic case of a team – that overachieves and gets to a conference title game and then gets waxed uh, by the finally talent win. So I actually think they're live. I think if you put any team's best two and a half quarters uh, up against anyone, Detroit's right there. But the problem is they have a quarter, quarter and a half of most games where they just don't execute. They golf. I mean, before the whole declaring who was in and who was out and tell that Sunday night, sorry, the Saturday night game against the Cowboys golf had the ball at, what was it down four and then throws a pick. Yeah. And that's what made it a seven point game. It led to a cow, a, a Cowboys field goal. Like he threw a huge pick with the game essentially on the line, but because he did it so early in the drive and the defense held to a field goal and they got the ball back and then were able to drive and Dallas's defense was too soft. I can't back Goff laying six. Now, there he's a much worse quarterback on the road, and we may see that next weekend, albeit not in you know, sub-zero te- temperatures. But I, I think six and a half, and if you can buy the hook and there's some sevens out there, I think that's the right side. And to your point, Jared, maybe the Bucks didn't exude that much energy either last week. It's maybe true. they'll be pretty fresh and be, have what it takes to go on the road here. I, I think I think it's going to be a tighter game than, than many realize. The Bucs... Uh, the Bucks have what it takes to even eke out a win. I don't think they will, but I think they're going to be live here. 
Chris, this is a uh, a rematch of week six, and it was a very interesting game. Um, the Lions were a three-point home favorite. Uh, obviously, the spread's significantly higher in this game than it was in that game, but they were missing a ton of pieces up front. They were missing uh, Jonah Jackson, their starting left guard. They were out Jameer Gibbs, their starting running back. Uh, Montgomery got banged up later in the game. A couple pieces on defense were also out. Um, it was all it was all passing in that game, and the, the Lions had a ton of success. Um, the Bucks didn't have a lot of success on offense. So has anything changed for you since that week six game? And and, and how do we kind of quantify this matchup here in the return? Yeah, well, well, Doug, Doug did a great summary of what uh, what my thoughts are on the two teams. Uh, I, I, I've i picked up that Tampa Bay was much better than uh, people realize pretty fast in my models. And uh, I think I did all right with them. But, you know, they were kind of inconsistent throughout the season, but I, you, you always kind of knew that they were better than they appeared. And uh, I'm, I made an egregious mistake when I was evaluating potential great futures before these playoffs started because, for whatever reason, I had it in mind that Tampa Bay, if they won, would have to go to San Francisco. If I had known that Tampa Bay would go to Dallas, Detroit, that would have changed things, uh, and that would have given a hell of a lot more value to a Tampa Bay future preflop. Uh, so I'm kind of banging my head against the wall. Penalty. I'm pissed <laughs> because I would have at least thrown some money because those odds were long. Those yeah. odds were long. But as Doug said, they're not getting by San Francisco. They, you know, they 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 can get to that championship game, but they're going to hit that wall. Uh, Either of these teams can win this game. There is no doubt about it. What really worries me about Detroit is they broke the decibel record. 133, the sound of a jet engine in there several times throughout the game. It's going to be louder this week, I think, Chris. And they made such. You had uh, the G GM screaming in the elevator with <laughs> celebration. You had Campbell in the locker room, you know everybody talking about finally a playoff win and i'm just sitting there shaking my head going and no 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 come on you're not going to really get this so excited about a playoff win are you is this what your expectations are uh so i'm a little bit worried that they've kind of celebrated a little bit too much i'm hoping that it's not the case that the monkey's off their back, so to speak. They got the Stafford issue behind them, and uh, they got the playoff win. Because if they did not get that playoff win, heads were going to roll. It would it would have been a failure. Yeah. Now they can kind of hopefully relax a little bit. That's that's what my perspective is on this game. Is I think that they can relax a little bit. The, you know that that one play that Goff did. Uh, that was Purdy, yes, the one dumb thing that Purdy did do in that last game against Baltimore. Goff does these – he can be on a roll, and then he'll get under this pressure, and then he'll do something completely idiotic. And you're like, oh, my God, how did a pro NFL quarterback do that? <laughs> and they almost turned the ball over in their own uh, their own zone when the ball's rolling on the ground. It's just unbelievable. So little concerns, but, you know, that's what you're going to have with teams coming up and needing to get that experience, so to speak. This game's much different. Detroit is the number five rushing team in the NFL, and Tampa held them to 40 yards last game. But no Gibbs, no Montgomery. Yeah. Uh, you know, after no the second left quarter. Guard. 
this is going to change everything. So they need to run the ball. But as we know, I don't care how bad Philadelphia was. We knew that they were a disaster coming into last week. It was written all over. But Tampa Bay put ungodly pressure on. That, that blitzing was just gruesome. You know, Hertz was always running, always trying to get away from it. And we know Goff doesn't respond well to the, to the heavy pressure. So if Detroit really has that number two offensive line, they better do their work this week. They better be able to run the ball. They need to keep Goff from being pressured too much. And I think that they can do it. Uh, and I think they can actually cover this spread. And I think the, I think the market movement tells you that. Because everybody and their grandmother looked at Tampa Bay, beat the crap out of you know Philadelphia last week. And even if you know Philadelphia is no good, Tampa Bay is 100% healthy almost. They look good doing it. And uh, it, that's a lot of points for a Detroit team that just, you know, in, in all honesty, they shouldn't have won the game against the Rams. What did they do past the, 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 the first half? And it happens every game, as Doug says. They take, they're they great for two and a half quarters, yeah. and then they just disappear. That's what I worry about, and I think that that's what a lot of people are thinking about. Yet this line keeps climbing, 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 climbing. And that that's a lot of money to move that line. And It, it was and a strange think, second half, Doug, against the Rams, right? Like It was 38 points in the first half. It was almost a lot that that game was going to go over. 21-17, lines led at the half all field goals in the second half. Is that just the nature of playoff football or the Lions, hey, the offense just completely went in a tank and, and this is going to be a tough week? Because Todd Bowles' defense, man, they throw tricks at you. They blitz from weird angles. Like, it is a tough defense to diagnose. Yeah, that's a great point. And you mentioned it earlier, how the game somehow stayed under the total. I, I think this happens, you know, I'm a I'm a big NBA better as well. And the, the first halves and the second half and totals, yeah. You know, the, the Nuggets and Sixers last night, I think, had 150-something in the first half. Um, <laughs> and then it died. It went like 110 in the second half. Wow. I think what happens is both teams, and this happened with the Rams-Lions, both teams played loose. And yeah. whether it be scripted plays in the first quarter and then letting it rip. And then you get measured possessions. And sometimes you play not to lose. Sometimes there's adjustments at half. And the quarterback's not good enough to know what that adjustment is and throws it away. Things that definitely happens in college. I think all adjustments happen in college at halftime. NFL, they'll more so happen on the fly. Yeah. But I also just think if you're playing in this round, you're sort of a fringe playoff team. Maybe not Detroit, but definitely Tampa. Yeah. You're there for a reason. It's like bubble teams in March, right? When you're on the bubble going into conference title. We, like you're there for a reason. And just because you have to win doesn't mean you're going to win because yeah. you've had those types of games for the last two months and you haven't delivered necessarily on all of them. So the question is, which version of these teams are we going to see and which team can force the other team to be the version that they don't want to be? Like the Bucs lost four straight games in a row at, at, during the season. But they also went into Green Bay and literally it was the best I've ever seen Baker Mayfield play. It was unbelievable. I was on, I was on the Packers in my contest, was like locked in on that game because I think the other yep. games were decided basically by halftime. And I just couldn't because the Packers would score and then – the Bucs answered, and it was ridiculous. Like, if that version of Tampa Bay shows up, I think the Lions are in trouble. But Detroit's yeah. also played great at times as well, including they played pretty well at Tampa, frankly, like you guys alluded to earlier. So 
it's just about these teams that are so inconsistent that they're fringe playoff teams. Like when are when is the the you know the the, the devil on their shoulder going to show up versus the angel? Like which version are we going to get? And which coaching staff do you trust to force it on the other end? Um, is the play calling going to continue to be uh, creative with Detroit? Is is Tampa and the Bulls defense going to be ready for it? I think the Bucks are going to be ready for this. I I'm I'm confident in Tampa keeping this close. I would buy the half point. I like it. I also lean under. I think 48 half's pretty high, but if Mayfield's I mean, I know the Eagles didn't show up, but all of Mayfield's passes were on point. It's not yeah. like guys were running wide open. He put them where they needed to be, led the receiver. He was really impressive. Now that was on the that was at home and this is on the road and Mayfield's not I mean, he could be erratic the next week, who knows. But I've been impressed at times with Mayfield. The question is, are we going to see that version this weekend? I'm impressed with him. You know, that first game, 27% of his passes were 20 yards or longer. Yeah. Uh, Really? I I think Clef TA tweeted that out this morning. I saw that note. That was a good note by him. They took shots in that game. The Lions got lucky because he overthrew some receivers, and then the times yeah. that he hit them, they were dropping balls. So that game could have gone entirely different. So, yeah, that that again, like we have a, we have a bunch of rematches this week, right? Chiefs, Bills, Lions, Bucks. Right. We have the the Ravens, Texas, but it's it's really tough. Besides the late game, which we'll get to in a minute, really tough to take anything away from the the the, the Ravens, Texans game, and the Lions, Niners game because a it happened three months ago plus. And B, personnel is just very different for these two teams um, since then. I think, I, I, I think I'm taking the Lions. I, I, I think, and Doug, I, I agree. I, I think if, if Baker plays well, the Bucs are absolutely live to win this game. I just don't trust them on the road. And maybe it's a, it's a bias against them. Um, but Chris, to your point earlier about, um, you know, the Lions maybe celebrating a little too much last week. Man, if there's one team in the NFL that I'm not worried about being up for a game, it's the Lions. I mean, Dan Campbell is like the elite motivator in the NFL right now. So I I think the vibes will be high again. The question is, which quarterback makes that boneheaded play first? I'll give the benefit of the doubt to Goff because he's at home. Next week, I'm not going to. But this week, for one more week, I will. Um, So I'm going to lay with the Lions. Chris is putting the Lions in a teaser. Um, He's moving the Chiefs up as well. And um, Doug, I, I, I want to say, I I credit, say something man. though. Shaq Barrett yeah, said this is their revenge tour, and it is kind of you know they lost to Philadelphia, and they yeah. won. They lost Maybe. to Detroit, and if they win here, then they most likely face a team that they lost to already, San Francisco. And then if they were to beat San Francisco, they would could possibly meet Buffalo, who they lost to. So that would be kind of amusing. <laughs> the revenge tour um doug I, I will give you a special shout if the bucks win this game bud you are all over it um you are the one brave you are the one brave soul um on our on our panel here um uh, willing to take and listen baker's proven a lot of people wrong man i mean number one pick like this is this is his spot this is his moment like you don't know if he's going to get another moment like this um to be in the spotlight so uh if, if he steals that spotlight good for him man because he he's can in the perfect the spot because he's been such yeah. a great leader on that team and the money is okay he doesn't want to go anyplace else he cares about the team he's always the rah-rah guy he plays hurt we never know how hurt he is that's one concern i have for this game because he's he was limping around again at the end of that game he's mm. obviously hobbled uh, so that that is they're gonna blitz the heck out of him this week. 
right, Doug? They're like Aaron Glenn's gonna send that. Like they're gonna blitz a lot this week. I don't know if the Lions blitz more than most, but my guess is we see a lot of pressure because the Eagles just sat back and were so soft in that game. Well, they have to because the secondary's weak for Detroit. I mean, yeah. I think with Hutchinson, whether or not he needs the blitz or not, he's gonna get pressure. But I, I think you have to get pressure on him. But I, I, I do think Mayfield, the turning point in his career was playing those garbage weeks with the Rams. 100%. I think McVay basically just like broke down the horse. It was like, look, dude, like, yeah, just do X, Y, and Z or punt. You have a defense. You don't have to do it all. You don't have to be the savior, the guy in the commercials and the swagger and leading the, the dances and stuff. Like you don't need to put up 50 points like you did at Oklahoma. And with the bucks, like he has a defense and you have stud receivers. He'll just throw it on the outside shoulder for Evans. And if it's an incomplete yeah. punt, it's fine. So, but to your point, I would, I, <laughs> They were, I think, two and zero when they faced the Eagles on uh, I like Monday the Bucks night that this week. year. I got hammered that week. I took the Bucks that week. I got absolutely hammered. I only took over a half interception. I was like, I don't think Mayfield can control himself. I think with the spotlight, the Monday night, he's gonna force some throws. This whole like check down Charlie thing works on Sundays, but he's just too. He's got too many juices in him. I hope he's learned his lesson, but I, I worry that he's just not gonna stay within himself. That's when he gets into trouble. To yep. your point playing hurt or trying to thread the needle too much because he's a little undersized. I mean, he's not Bryce young, but he's not exactly, uh, you know, Dan McGuire out there in the park in the pocket. Uh, like he he's, he forces throws too much. And I think if he just like just stays within himself, that's why I do lean to the under here. I worry that the lions offense is just way too explosive. But other than that, yeah. I think the under is probably a good play. The more I think about it, but I like the plus six and a half. I, I think asking the lions to win is fine. Asking them to cover. Six and a half is a lot in my book. That's fair. Yeah, and we're seeing some good comments in the chat. JSC, um, it, no one's mentioning. Doug mentioned it. Team won a Super Bowl two years ago. Doug was talking about that during um, the open of this game, about how the win total adjusted from Brady and how a lot of the core of this team is still intact. It is a very valid um, comment about the experience of this Bucks team maybe being what gets them across the finish line here. And to Doug's point as well, just Baker not um, being old Baker. New Baker. New, uh, new, uh, new Year's resolution. Don't be old Baker. If he's if he's new Baker, I think the Bucks are absolutely live here. But uh, I'm betting against that this week. I'm taking the Lions. I put the Lions in my teaser this week too. I got them. I, I love ten point teasers for teams that are laying six and a half. You get them through three on the other side, especially oh, at home. It feels like a safe play um, with Detroit at home this week, catching three in the hook. So I'll put them in the tease, and uh, Chris is going to tease. The lines down as well. All right, here we go. Main event. We saved the best game for last. Um, obviously, tightest line of the week. Uh, the quarterback battle is about as elite as it gets. And it's the Chiefs and the Bills. Here we go. This line, I, I saw a three for a minute. So during during the game, um, it was during the Bills game on Monday, they started to flash lines for the next week's games after Buffalo looked like they were kind of in, in tow there. And I saw a, a very reasonably priced three at one of the shops here in town. I grabbed it quick, and, and uh, uh, unfortunately, th those are gone now. The threes are a little more expensive. Um, we're seeing some two-and-a-halves out there on the other side, too. Again, depending where you shop, might be a three or two-and-a-half. Um, I, I thought the Chiefs did what they had to do. I know Miami was, you know, kind of beleaguered last week, guys, but they won the game. They covered. They, they, I thought the Chiefs' defense did a good job on the Dolphins' offense, which really was the key matchup in that game. And the Bills took care of business, too. I wouldn't call that win overly impressive, right, against the Steelers. Pittsburgh could have covered it late. 
uh, but Buffalo did get across the finish line there. So I, I think overall, just uh, these two teams, these two quarterbacks meeting again. Of course, it's a rematch from Week 14. That was the Kadarius Tony game where the Bills won um, and they covered as a very slight underdog. These teams have faced each other in the playoffs now four times in the Mahomes-Allen era. Allen's three and one against the spread. So the Bills have had the better go of it so far. Um, uh, Chris, I'll, I'll give you first cracker because you're actually playing this game uh, three different ways. Well, my, I, I did uh, my research and tried to find the team to back that had the best value pre-season or pre-playoffs, and Kansas City is who I went with. Uh, I just felt like they were going to come away with that Miami victory, and when they go to Buffalo, they, they were certainly going to be less than a field goal difference. Now we're in a situation that's even better for me in that Kansas City future, and they have two days rest advantage. They yeah. finished the season six, seven games in a row having a rest disadvantage. This is one example where a break was absolutely perfectly timed for them, where they didn't have to show up week 18 and they get some rest. They, they, uh, they finally recoup and they get firing on all cylinders again. And they did a really good job against Miami. And I think that they're going to do a really good job against a banged-up Buffalo team also. You know, a lot of people don't realize it, but Mahomes, he's been an underdog 10 times. He's won eight. He's 8-1-1 eight, one, and one against the spread. He actually has a better record on the road than he does at home against the spread. So being on the road is not going to be an issue. So... Uh, this is the first time that he's on a road during the playoffs, though. Uh, mm. So that's a little different. Uh, so he was an underdog in the Super Bowl last year, which was the first time in the playoffs he was an underdog, and he won that game. So I think a lot of things in Kansas City's favor. They've got a much better defense than they've had in years past. Buffalo's banged up a little bit. These teams know each other well, and they yep. know what they don't want to do if that makes any sense. Sometimes, you know, your will is not good enough, so to speak, of what you want to, you know, do against another team. Sometimes you do the smart move and avoid what isn't going to benefit you. And I would imagine Kansas City does not want to get in a shootout with Buffalo. So whatever they nope. can do to elongate the game, they're going to do. They don't want, you know, that 13-second thing happening, uh, you know, against them or whatever. So... <laughs> Uh, I like the under in this game. I think it's going to be not horrible weather, but it's just going to be a little colder. The f this first game played out, you know, very, you know, to the under quite a bit. Yeah. And I think there's going to be more running on both of these sides of the ball. And I like Kansas City to win this game outright. Uh, I, I've got a very large future that I'm not even going to be hedging. In fact, I'll, I'll have more money on Kansas City. Uh, I'm, I'm just adding to it as far as I'm concerned. I think Kansas City wins this game outright. Uh, and uh, I forget how I used them. A uh, bunch of different ways. Purposes. You took three, and then you went the team total under. And that's and we can get to that on the on the other side, but I wanted to loop Doug in Oh, yeah, I like the Buffalo team total under 24 yeah. and a half. I forgot about that. Uh, I just think it's going to be – I don't think Kansas City is going to be giving up more than 24 points to uh, Buffalo. I, I think that – it, it, the game, I just don't see it laying out that way. I just think that they want to elongate it. I think you get stops in the red zone. 
I think you get a botched field goal here or there. Uh, I just don't see this thing being able to be a shootout, so to speak. Doug, unlike the other games, right, like we can glean something from the the, the rematch, right? For, it was only a few weeks ago, and it was kind of a it was kind of a nip and tuck game, which is kind of the only type of game these two right. teams like to play. So based off of that, my initial instinct was points, but the number obviously matters here, two and a half, three. I think if you were laying three in this game, there's got to be something better to do with your money. <laughs> you take your income that's already been taxed, and you're going to go to the window and lay minus 110 or whatever. Like, you, yeah. There's just got to be something better to bet on out there, whether it be a prop or a Mountain West basketball game or whatever. <laughs> I just feel it's a death wish because of we saw last week. Like, I, I made I tweeted this joke after the Eagles. It's like, you know, what was it? A Maya Angelou quote is, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Like yeah. the Eagles have been terrible every week. What in what world did we really respect them as a three-point road favorite in a playoff game? But the Chiefs, as much as they've been stumbling and not the typical Chiefs, last week they kind of did flip the switch. Yeah. Um, now, granted, Miami was a bunch of wussies who didn't show up, and I think they were still hungover from blowing their chance to be the two seed yeah. and cold weather. Like they. I don't think anyone got off that plane thinking they were going to win the game. I just don't think they played tough enough. But the way Mahomes was slinging it, they were fired up, and I was okay. So they kind of had a week 18 bye, right? They rested most of their starters. Andy Reid's always good off the bye. I actually think we're we because of last week, I can almost erase what I saw during the regular season. I was Great. like, okay, we're getting this best defense that Mahomes has had yes. uh, in this in this era. And then, you know, with Spags pulling the strings, right? And then you have this Buffalo team that just shoots itself in the foot. We talk about the Lions for two and a half quarters. I think, you know, Josh Allen Buffalo would be would be 17 and 0 if you took their best two and a half quarters. <laughs> Quintessential Buffalo. End of the first half, the broadcast was saying, I think it was uh, uh, Roma was like, you got to run it here, take it to the two minute warning. Instead, they throw, and then they get the blocked field goal, and then they give up seven. So instead of being up 24 nothing and controlling the clock on offense. It's 21-7, and then Pittsburgh makes it a game, at least, in the second half. That's classic questionable coaching by Buffalo, and I think the Chiefs do have the edge. I think one of our uh, loyal followers mentioned that. I do think the coaching edge is in Kansas City's favor. Yeah. If you're giving me plus three, even at minus 20, I think I have to take the Chiefs. I don't want to lay points in this situation. I think Bills Mafia will be rocking. I think it'll be a great atmosphere, but – um, as Chris was saying, Mahomes in these games that have three-point spreads, like look what happened last year in the Super Bowl. They were down at halftime. Yeah. Look what happened. Like he just is a difference maker, and it's really noticeable in these coin flip games, right? And that's the difference. I always said this about Purdy throughout the year. He's never won a game by himself. They've won blowouts because of him where they probably would have had close wins and they've gone on and just trucked an opponent. Mahomes is the ultimate difference maker one way or another. And because of what I saw last week, it gave me more confidence going into this type of game on the road. 100%. I say that all season, and that's why I put a lot of money on Lamar Jackson throughout the year to win MVP. You watch Brock Purdy, I could name probably at least 10 other quarterbacks who could replicate that level of success in the Niners offense. I just, you put 10 different quarterbacks, those same 10 quarterbacks on the Chiefs. They don't replicate what Patrick Mahomes does. I, I just, it just, they, they just don't. And 
you saw it. Like, it, all right, what's the knock on the Chiefs? They don't have a receiver? I don't know. I think they've got a pretty darn good one in Rasheed Rice, who's who's not a rookie anymore in his 20, week 20 of his season. So I, I just feel like this is all of the negatives that we've heard about the Chiefs all year can be easily erased by two or three good throws in this game, whereas the positives are things they haven't had in prior Super Bowl runs, like an unbelievable defense that can shut down a good passing offense like Josh Allen and this very talented group of Bills receivers. So it just seems like, right, the narrative is kind of flipping where, where, Chris, in prior years, we're talking about the Bills defense shutting down this highly prolific Chiefs offense. And it's ironic that the game's in a different spot than it usually is. All these games are tend to be in Kansas City. Three of the four between these teams have been in Kansas City, and the one in Buffalo was no fans during the COVID year. Um, so Mahomes hasn't dealt with the, the Bills Mafia yet, but it just seems like all of the the intangibles and the narratives that we used to talk about with the Bills, defense coach, like that's on the Chiefs side now. You know, I've never been a Chiefs fan. In fact, I'm like sick and tired of them, frankly. And every year I've been rooting for them to lose. So, you know, with <laughs> sports betting, you have to be willing to pivot and change uh, based on what the realities of uh, what what's actually happening. And uh I've had to switch a hundred, you know, three weeks ago, I would have told you I hated Kansas City. So when you, this is a team that for the first time has an offense and a defense in the top 10. And that's important. There was only five of those teams entering the playoffs this season. And that's usually a qualification for a team that wins the Super Bowl. They have the experience. They've had uh, Buffalo's number more often than not. And as Doug mentioned, they're another team like the Lions that somehow Buffalo pisses away a quarter and does some silly things that shoots themselves in the foot. Mm. Doug, the final uh, question I have here, because I, I, I don't think we're going to see another three this week, may, like a flat three. Maybe we do. But let's just say it stays two and a half for the week. Do you just bet the money line with Kansas City or is it just you, you, you want those two and a half points in your back pocket? God forbid. No, I, I would look to tease it. I mean, I know that's a okay. cop-out, but I, no, I just fair. think there's such value with Mahomes as an underdog. Agreed. <clears throat> Maybe even if Buffalo gets the opening kickoff and scores, you're going to get above three or four. You're going to get four and a half, yeah. five. Then I think that's when you jump in. This, this, it, think about just the how many high-profile games the Chiefs play, and some of, some of the exhaustion is brought on themselves with the commercials and even the Taylor Swift stuff. But just year after year, they know they're going to be there in the playoffs and they win games. I, it's got to be just draining. And I think some of that is a lack of focus. Like Kelsey drops. I don't want the Swifties coming after me, but I don't think it's 100% coincidence that he's had drops this season. It's He's juggling a lot. And also, like, they've been, they know they're going to be fine come playoff time. Like, yeah. in the NBA, seeding doesn't matter at all. These teams don't care. They just don't. You look at the win totals going into every NBA season, the highest win totals have become lower and lower. Oh, whoever the teams are, the Bucs, whatever. I don't think – I think the Chiefs have flipped that switch. I really do. And But the Bills are good. Like, I, I, I just wish, like, it was, like, KC at Miami minus, like, one and a half. I, just, I respect the Bills. That's the problem is I do think the Bills are really good, and Josh Allen's that good. But they – Diggs has not been the same for a while. I do think – Allen has these brain cramps where he throws these interceptions where you just, it's just mind boggling, but his risk taking and his running out of bounds, jump passes sort of Mahomes esque has led to success as well. So you don't want to totally grill him, but ultimately, you know, whatever it is, you got to slay the dragon and that kind of thing. I'll keep betting on Mahomes until they actually 
mm. get slayed, so to speak. Good question from Mark in the chat. Winner of the, it's really not a question. He's making a statement. I will ask this question to our people here. Winner of this game beats Baltimore. Chris, agree, disagree? Well, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) But I respect the Bills a lot. I think they're a great team. You can't hold anything against any of these teams that are remaining in the playoffs, uh, you know, in the AFC. I mean, Houston, I already talked about it. He said all these teams have done what they've done very well and deserve to be there. Uh, and it's sad that any of these teams have to lose. Uh, I yeah. think Baltimore is Baltimore should absolutely roll over these teams, unfortunately. But uh, we're we're going to have to see who shows up. I mean, we're going to have to see what. I, I'm noticing that Andrews isn't as much of a go as I thought he was. Uh, he may not go, and Flowers isn't a hundred percent in yet either. Yeah. So. Uh, we still have a little uh, more ambiguity to what uh, what that's going to look like uh, than I realize. So, but uh, it, it, I, I'm really interested to just see what would happen with the Kansas City Baltimore uh, matchup because I think that uh, that would be mighty interesting too. Great, Doug. What do you think of that winner of this game? Ravens next week. They're I think it's a lot. Dog, no matter who plays. Right. I think it's a lot to ask because Baltimore will, in theory, be coming off a a game where they didn't expend that much energy, right? True. And then you have whoever's going to win the other game, and then they're going to go up the road. If it's Kansas City, it's going to be back-to-back road games having to take on some sort of a juggernaut or a version of a juggernaut. I don't think so. I I think this is Baltimore's year. I think things have broken well for Lamar and company. I think all the reasons we talked about why they've been well, the bottom half of the bracket, you have to play the winner of this matchup of quarterbacks. You get Houston, which is sort of, you know, rookie quarterback and all that. I think things are breaking well for Baltimore. And, you know, they've had injuries in the past, and I, I understand Andrews is out, but things have broken well. With that being said, we looked at the odds, you know, each, you know, these one seeds don't meet in the post in the Super Bowl very often. I think it's only happened 14 times in the last 49 years since seeding wow. began. It's only happened four times in the last 11 years, and the last time it happened was Philly with Nick Foles. So, yeah, they were the one seed, but they were like home underdogs in the conference title game. Like, that was 2017. So, and if you look at it, a a matchup, if you do those those matchups or just parlay each one seed's conference odds, going into the playoffs, it was plus 310. So, it was actually like distinctly unlikely to happen, right? Yeah. It was a 25% chance in theory that San Francisco would play Baltimore in the Super Bowl. But if I told you, before the playoffs, what, what's the chances we see Ravens Niners? You'd be like 50, 70 percent. Yeah. But no, even though the Niners win. were minus money in the NFC, it, it typically does not happen because it's single elimination. It's not best of seven like the NBA. It's a round object with two points <laughs> and it can bounce any which way. So if you say one of these teams is going to beat the Ravens and we think the Niners are this juggernaut out, out in the NFC, it's like, yeah, you're probably right because, you know, I'll take the field over the one seeds not meeting in the Super Bowl, right? Like yeah, it's yeah. one to four or whatever it is. But I uh, I do think, I mean, I, I, I think the brackets have unfolded well for both one seeds this year. I personally think I we'll agree. see them, but it is plus 310 that we do. So, you know, understand the math behind that. 
Yeah, and maybe that's not the worst bet to make. Again, if you don't want to lay a bunch of points this weekend, um, you know, it, it, getting both of those teams into the championship game, who, who knows? Um, interesting way to play. All right, let's uh, – <laughs> dogs are barking. I guess that's not good for the one seed. Yeah, right? he uh, barked during the Kansas City segment. <laughs> there you go. All right, that's good. Uh, okay, let's uh, wrap up this Chiefs game. Um, we're all kind of taking a piece of KC, or at least uh, Chris and I are in some capacity. I, I took three. Um, I'm also using the Chiefs as that final leg of the teaser there. Again, I just I, I don't see how Buffalo creates that much margin in this game. If they take a big lead, they're going to be running it. Um, and Kansas City will have that back door open. And um, it looks like the under is an official play from Chris as long as uh, uh, in addition to the Buffalo team total under. Um, and those are our official plays here for this game. And I'll get to – oh, yeah, I have one more. How can I forget? This is a staple. Anytime the Bills play a postseason game. You just bet the Josh Allen rushing attempts over early in the week because it always goes up. Um, I bet it yesterday. It was eight and a half at minus 125. I would be shocked if this thing closes lower than that. It's going to go up to nine. I'm already seeing nine and a half at a couple of the shops. Um, it's really not an in-depth handicap. The kneel downs counting is huge, obviously, but just his legs. And you could put the Mahomes rushing attempts prop in there too, but that's not an official play here. The, the Allen play is... Um, it's just it, his attempts go up in high profile games. That should not come as a surprise. And since Joe Brady has taken over the reins uh, early in the season when they fired Dorsey, um, this has been more of a Josh Allen rushing offense. He has been a much bigger factor in the running game, especially in those high profile games. He's gone over um, this number in four of his last five. He had 10 attempts for 32 yards in that game against the Chiefs a few weeks ago. So those are my plays for this game. Chiefs and the Josh Allen over. Uh, Chris is on the Chiefs and the under. Um, and Doug, lean over for you, but no official play on this game. Um, Chris, you're also taking the Buffalo team total well, under. I want to make sure we get all the picks. Go ahead, pal. I didn't realize the market was at full three at the point. I would definitely take plus three if you can get it, even at minus live 20. Bet. I think we have a live bet feature a, here on the show. Live bet. And Put it in the there, right baby. There but I think you is. raise a really – ooh, I like these graphics. I know, right? Live, I hey, I, I've done real... it multiple times this year. These guys are smart. I want to piggyback. I live bet it. Well, that's, that's good because you're, you know, if you want to aggregate information, you can't just have like these blinders on and tunnel vision. You want to listen 100%. and absorb from really sharp people, which is smart. Um, no, I, I think you raised a good point about the rush attempts. I've always said this about some of the college props. Like we get more props offered in like the college football playoff and stuff. Yeah. You almost have to throw out some of the regular season stats. Like I really don't care about like Brock Bowers is like yardage against Vanderbilt in <laughs> South Carolina. Some of these like third, like that's not really predictive for when they face is Bama, right? Like Bowers is going to be a bigger part of the offense, actually play four full quarters. So with the rushing attempts, the stakes are higher. Guys are more willing to tuck it and run and take a hit. And we saw Mahomes' helmet break and pieces yeah. chip off. Like that's not happening in the regular season. It's just not. Um, he's going to slide. I always, the Chiefs don't do any quarterback sneaks with Mahomes anymore. So that's out of the question. Yep. They don't do the bush push or whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> but maybe they will when the stakes are higher, things like that. They didn't do it in the Super Bowl. But in general, I think that's a really smart thing because the, the props are formulated based on regular season stats. Yep. And you have to ask yourself what changes in the postseason and rushing attempts of quarterbacks absolutely do. So that's a really nice job on your part. I think that's uh, and to your point, it goes up throughout the week. That means sharp money's moving it and odds makers just like can't keep track of it all. So they just let with lower max limits on those kind of props they just let those guys shape the market and they just take one on the chin if they have to a hundred percent the prop market again because of the the nature of this 
evolving betting landscape we have. More props in the playoffs are available earlier in the week. Usually, right, props don't drop till Thursday, Friday. These props are open right out of the gate. Market's available longer. It allows the, the pros to get in there and do their thing. The limits are higher. So the prop market becomes a little bit more, I guess, manageable in terms of the professional landscape. We've heard Fezzik talk about the, the, the prop market, too, on the show during the playoffs. And uh, it, it is a very interesting uh, addition, I guess. Um, when we get into the postseason, the everything expands. All right, great stuff on the show. Let, let's get to a few questions. I, I didn't see a ton of questions um, sent to us, but there's a couple of interesting ones. One of them I, I, I mentioned already, Chad Moody asking about quarterbacks overs rushing. Uh, I hope, Chad, we just answered that question for you. Yes, quarterbacks overs um, in the in the rushing category is a fantastic way to approach the postseason. All right, this is a really good question from Rob, and it kind of piggybacks off of the Bills-Chiefs game. Um, does the short week affect the Bills' concussion protocol rules? I, I would say yes. And, uh, I, Chris, I, I, you mentioned it during the segment. A lot of injuries on the Bills' side of the ball. The short week can't help with that. No, I think it's, 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 I think it's not looked at strongly enough. Two days makes a big difference in playoffs, especially yeah. when you're getting banged up and you're facing a healthy, experienced, well-coached team. I, I I think there's a lot of things working against the Bills, and unless the refs help them out, I don't know. Yeah. Injury is a big factor in this one for you, Doug, with the Bills this week? I, I think just freshness overall, whether that that's energy, whether that's injury, that's a different, you know, that's all kind of, I put it all together in one, right? Like, again, the margin of error in these games and the sport in general is so small. So we talk about situational handicapping, teams off a of bye, the, the spot, the threat, you know, the draining. Like, it matters when there's a loose fumble and just all this stuff. Like, it really is such a different, you know, margin of error. I mean, the Texans – here they are the Texans in the second round of the playoffs, and maybe they don't get here with the, the swing pass on fourth down with Gardner Minshew. What if they run yeah. uh, JT up the middle and get the first down? Now, there was still yeah. time if they scored maybe – Stroud throws a bomb and they kick a game-winning field goal. But just we're, that's what we're talking. We're talking all this coming of age. Stroud, X, Y, and Z, he's great. All this stuff. And his playoff fate was decided when he wasn't even on the field <laughs> because of the Minshew swing pass. So, I mean, if they get the first down or they run Taylor up the middle, then maybe they eventually get a touchdown. And then it's the kicker who cost Houston the playoff berth because yeah. they missed the extra point. And that's what enabled it, a six-point margin instead of seven. So all these things do matter, but it still comes down to sort of the randomness. That's why I said you got to have better things to do than to lay points against <laughs> the uh, against Mahomes. But I also wonder: Are the gambling gods this cruel? They might be, but at, at <laughs> some are. point, you think the Bills are going to get over the hump. Like the Eagles lost all those NFC Championship games in a row. Eventually, they did get to the Super Bowl. Now they had to face a juggernaut Patriots team, but. At some point, the Bills just can't be these, like, they can't just lose every time, whether it's the Bengals or the Chiefs. Like, they have to get to the Super Bowl, don't they? Bills by two, right? That's the that's the vibe this week. Hopefully. Bills by – because, right, well, games don't land one, except for the game that landed one last week. So maybe Bills by right. one um, this week. All right, uh, great stuff in the chat. Um, and I saw one more question that we didn't get to. Who does Fez like this week? Uh, it's actually ironic. Fez, uh, he, he messaged us before the show. He actually doesn't like a lot this week. So uh, it was Good. actually a fa he said it was a favorable week for him to miss because he doesn't have a whole lot for you. But he did take three um, with the Chiefs. I think he laid 20 cents. I might be wrong on, on the juice, but he did take three with the Chiefs. I think he took three and a half, too, but he laid a little bit more 
Um, I'll have to go back, but he, he, he does like the chiefs at three. That, that obviously was a play for him based off the message he sent us. So, um, there's your answer for who Mr. Fezzik likes. And we apologize. No math lessons this week. Uh, math professor, PhD in mathematics. He will return, uh, next week. All right. Now it's time for us to show you who won the golden ticket. Uh, one of us will have the ticket here. Drum roll, please. My guess is on Doug beginner's luck. My money's on Kazarian this week. Always the beginner's luck. They always have a sense of humor back there in the production booth. Oh. Yep, I nailed it. Nailed it. It's always the beginner's luck, Doug. Congratulations, pal. You win absolutely nothing, um, unfortunately. But someone in the chat who guessed you hopefully uh, had the foresight that I did and will uh, get themselves a free entry into that tough truck challenge. Um, there you go. Eric, well done, pal. Uh, right. You guessed it correctly. Um, of course, two things. You've got to follow uh, BetUS on Twitter or X. And you also have to DM them, and you have to have an account. Sorry, three things. Follow on Twitter, have an account with BetUS, DM, you'll get your free entry into the contest. All right, let's pop up the picks on the screen. We'll show you what we are putting our money on this week. And, Doug, I ask this question to these uh, two gentlemen, to Steve and Chris, every week, and I will ask it to you. If you had to choose a favorite child on the board this week of those four selections, what is your favorite child this week? Baltimore minus the nine and a half. Chris? Oh, ooh. I think Buffalo team total under 24 and a half. Ooh, a little total action there for Chris this week. I'll go different because it looks like we've got consensus uh, on the Ravens in a sense, and we've got consensus on the Chiefs. I'll go Chiefs. looks like we're all on the Ravens and the Chiefs. I think based off of the show here in this 90-minute window, I think Ravens and Chiefs would be a pretty decent um, parlay for you. It looks like those two teams are seem to be pretty consensus amongst um, our panelists. All right, Doug, uh, fantastic job, pal. We really appreciate it. Um, any parting shots before we let you go back into your uh, into your window? Uh, no Wally Pip here. Uh, Fezzik, <laughs> I appreciate the honor to sit, sit in for you. I hope you feel better, a little under the weather. But it was awesome to join you guys. And obviously, I know you guys outside of this, but it was good to have a show and do that together for the first time. A lot of fun out there, and it's a great time of year, right? Um, yeah. These playoffs, the stakes are higher, tons of hoops going on, hockey as well. Uh, but it was great to talk football in and, and a long form, too. Everything's so quick these days. Yeah. And it was good to really roll up the sleeves and dive deep into in this stuff because all this is elaborate, and it is intricate and nuanced, and it's good to sort of um, share that with everyone listening because it does require – a deep dive when you're uh, splitting hairs, which is what we're trying to do to find the edges in such a tight market. Yeah, you can't just uh, do a 30-second TikTok video, Chris, and have yourself a pick for the week, right? <laughs> no, he doesn't want to comment on that. No, no TikTok I see, commenting. No, I, I can see Chris doing me. a great TikTok dance one day, you know, maybe doing a little Chiefs Macarena. I don't know if they make it to the championship. If the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl, Chris, and you cash that ticket, I'm going to let you come on my TikTok. We'll do a video together, all right? Uh, all right, for Doug Kazarian in Las Vegas, Chris, I'm Jared Smith. This has been the BetUS Divisional Week uh, show here, uh, and we appreciate it. Don't forget, like, subscribe to the channel, and we'll see you next week for Championship Week.